I don't know. I don't have know the song. That song yet? No, I haven't yet. <laughs> it's a good one. It's pretty good. I bet. Welcome to another week of my fellow human, everyone. As always, I am Brianna with my it with 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 me with me co-host Garrett with me Garrett. So good. Hello, hello everyone. So fast. I want to do it fast and quick and like get really really good at it. You know. We I don't know if every week we should say as always, but it is. It's it always. is always. It's always us. us. <laughs> we haven't had one show where it's not always at least us two. You know. Yeah. So that's. As always, it's... Oh, yeah. I was trying to think if we've ever done hosts, a solo one. Garrett but no, we've never done one solo. Like one person? One yeah. person with another guest or just one person? Just one person. We, we and Even with a guest, we have always done it together. We are always with our I, fellow human. I thought you meant just like one person, internal dialogue, monologue coming out of the, out of the face. Hey, you know what? I'm all for experimenting. So if we want to try that, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know what we would even say. We could write a story and do a monologue. Or if we start a Patreon, Garrett, maybe that could be our extra episode of the month. We write a story and then monologue it and act a it out story? for everyone. A story? Like a fictional story? Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll put a pin in that. We'll put a pin yeah, in that. Yeah, let's table one for that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie and I, when Ellie and I say, we'll put a pin in that, it means probably not ever going to happen. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's good to be self aware. It's how we politely say no to each other. Uh, okay, I see. All right, well, let's put a pin in that idea. We'll put a pin in that idea. Let's, we like, might circle nah. back. We might circle back. <laughs> and it's usually pretty funny. Like when one of us says, we'll put a pin in that, it makes us laugh. Because it means no. It means no. <laughs> it means absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, uh, not to put a pin in our pin conversation, but let's put a pin in that. Uh, <laughs> today's guest, Garrett and I were just discussing this. This is our like first audience requested guest who we absolutely have no connection to, if that makes sense. Because some of the audience requested guests we've had, like Barb Blake, um, I still There's haven't been able been to an... get some of them on. Christy was one of them. Linda Jones, she was added. Mm. And there's two others that I haven't been able to get on. But they have all been submitted by people we know. So they have told us a little bit about we, this we've guest. We've had a right? path to. This is the first guest where we don't it know who submitted up. it. Yep. No and idea. we also, okay, we've. We know very. We, all we know about this person is what the submission said in the submission form. <laughs> yeah. And so we're just gonna roll with it. And yeah, and normally, even with the people I hardly know, I normally will research them, look them up on mm. Facebook, whatever, just try and get a little bit of information. Right. Sorry, one of my dogs must be at my door. Um, <laughs> just hear a bunch of banging like someone's trying to break in, which is kind of scary. Anyways, uh, I couldn't find him on anything, so I'm I am going in even more blind than normal. I'm used to this. Threatened. Yeah, I know you're used to it, which is probably kind of freeing in a way, not having any pre, pre- preconceived notions going in. All we do know genuine. about this individual is that he has a passion. For home brewing beers, wines, meads, ales. And um, I he's in our waiting room, so I think we just 
let him come in and start this party started my cat's about to start fist fighting on my lap okay they're <laughs> they've dispersed your cats were about to start fist fighting on your lap yeah like fist fight with like the pawing of their faces kind of thing uh well no i <laughs> think it's okay no they, they settled it they settled it instinctually without oh, any confrontation that's good psychological. <laughs> it was a psychological battle i think cats mainly do that have that psychological battle hello here we go hello can you hear us i can oh awesome wow look at your background yeah very decorated yes i'm i am in my my uh pub oh your little your pub so your element that's right so most most guys have a man cave i i just have a pub (laughs) (laughs) is this pub in your house it is it's it seats two it's oh that's even better (laughs) that's so cool that reminds me of i don't know if you guys when covid was happening there was this man on the internet who took his wife on a date in a pub but it was in his backyard and it was inflatable (laughs) it was an inflatable pub (laughs) (laughs) well welcome uh to the show on my fellow human william winlow it's nice well thank you for thank you for having me we were just talking about before you came on that we have absolutely no connection to you. That's correct. <laughs> you are the first guest, audience requested guest that's come on. And um, we didn't ha- know someone who knew the person, you know, etc. And I was curious, did you submit yourself or did someone submit you? No, someone submitted me. Ooh, and do you know who it was? I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> We yeah, do actually, we know who the person who submitted you? Do you think you do? I know for a fact you do. Um, we both do. I almost want to just maybe we'll throw out guesses <gasps> as we're talking through this talk. Okay. Is it rude that I don't know who you are? No. Oh, okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> now, it'll it'll. What once the final puzzle pieces is in place, it'll all make sense. It's almost oh like gosh. a game of 20 questions we're going to have to maybe just throw out there throughout this episode. Um, I felt like whenever Brianna, you know, we, we talk we talk about our future guests and I get emails from Brianna with the titles and William Winlow. I was like, that just sounds so familiar, but I don't know if it sounded familiar because I recognize the name itself or it's just a superhero name. That it classic, is a superhero like, name. I was just about yeah. to say that. Yeah, it's kind of has the first initial for both first and last names. So yeah. yeah, and we've talked about it's two syllables. William, William and Winlow William. are two syllables because mine, Brianna Bartels, doesn't work. Brianna's three syllables; it doesn't work. Okay. Yeah, it's, it just doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> William Winlow, though, yeah, you've got an awesome name. <laughs> okay, this is exciting. It's like a puzzle. I like how he has presented it. Um, so all we know of you is that you are very passionate about um, brewing, in-home brewing, which makes sense. You're sitting in your own pub right now, um, and you have a dream to open an Irish pub. Yes. And you're actively chasing that. I would like to explore the words actively chasing this dream. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, so I've, I've been a home brewer since 2008. Um, okay. How I got to that point is kind of kind of weird. I, I finished college. Uh, I had to go work a job that I didn't really choose. It just kind of needed to happen, so I went and did it. Uh, and and I was at, at that job for about seven years, and that came to came to an end. Uh, 
Uh, and then I ended up working the night shift at a hospital in an emergency room because I needed a job. And uh, so I was, I was like 28 years old and I, I never really got to choose what I wanted to do. And so I started just reading all these books, trying to figure out what my passion was, what I liked, how do I want to spend the rest of my life. And my wife wound up just randomly picking a, a used book in a used bookstore off a shelf and she would just, it just, you know, gave it to me and I was reading it. It was basically uh, how to brew beer at home. Well, I was a big kind of a beer advocate growing up anyways. I, I liked beer. I liked the environment, uh, you know, the, the camaraderie with the people. And I was reading this book and I'm like, this, I can, I can do this. This isn't that tough. It's going to be a little investment. We'll be going. Uh, and, 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 the, and, and I just kept going. I just never stopped. Um, and so I've been brewing since then. I have made multiple attempts to open up a brewery, uh, a couple of attempts to open up a pub, but obviously it's, it's uh, kind of capital intensive. Uh, and I've had some other obstacles just in, in life that hasn't, hasn't really fallen in place yet. But uh, the, the, the passion is there. The dream is there. I've never given up. Uh, it's just always been that time might not be the right time. And so I'm always kind of at the ready for when that right time is. You got to be ready for that. I mean, when the universe, everything aligns, you know, just being ready for it. I love your origin story since you're a superhero. I love the origin story that (laughs) this was found on a used bookshelf store, a used book. Like that's, I, I can't think of anything better than that. Yeah. So really kind of how I was able to put the two together was, and you have to understand, I was, you know, I was reading lots of different things, trying to, you know, find my passions. And the, the interesting thing about it is, is when I was reading this book, I like, I like the idea of creating things. I've always been on the creative side. Um, you know, I like to cook, I started out in graphic design. So to me, I, I, I get a thrill out of making something, um, but really the, and that was kind of the kickoff, but as I kind of delved into it, what I really learned about myself was, um, there, there's a, a phrase that I've stolen from somebody who's got named Zane Lamprey and I'm, I'm going to use it here. So if, if he's, if he's listening, I'm stole it from you, but I'm giving you credit. Uh, <laughs> he, he, would always, he would always say that alcohol is a social lubricant. And I thought that was perfectly put. And, uh, my, my thing has always been beer. I love pub culture. The fact that people come together, you may not know who they are. There may be someone that you only know in the pub. They may be a friend you've had your entire life. You go into this building, you have a pint together, you share a story, you talk about your day, you talk about your home. It, you know, I'm, I'm not a person who wants to go to a, a bar to go watch a TV game. I go to a, I go to a pub because I want to have a conversation with somebody. So to me, having that beer, opening yourself up, having that experience, that's what, that's what makes the whole experience great. Now, when you have a great environment that's around you, that's conducive to great communication, and great conversation, you have fantastic beer that helps, uh, you know, provide that that social lubricant. Then you now have this amazing experience that anyone can anyone can have. It's it's not exclusive to any one group. It's uh, you know I can just look at a guy over there and, and strike up a conversation. And before you know it, within 30 minutes, we're, we're having a good conversation. So that, those are the, the, the two passions I'm really trying to kind of uh, put together. Uh, so you're, you, you kind of see my, and I know that your, your listeners can't see it, but you know, what I've got surrounded myself with is kind of the prototype. 
but then I've been working on the actual beer portion for the last 15 years. And so the idea is to, to merge those two things together in a more commercial environment so that I can help other people have better conversations over a pint. I really do admire your philosophy towards it all. That's pretty... I don't know. The purity of it really speaks to me a lot. We 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 were kind of talking about it before you got on earlier too. We certainly do um, have our preferences when it comes to. I'm gonna when we our preferences towards our poisons in life, right? Um, and we have made it clear on this show that alcohol for us, especially meat, isn't necessarily that anymore. <laughs> However, I've been a curator of like different alcohol and a bartender for most of my working life now. And one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard is from James May. He's a BBC broadcaster. He was on um, Top Gear and it was really funny. He goes, remember everyone, alcohol is God's gift to us for making us self-aware <laughs> as a means to kind of pull yourself away from that. And probably, as you said, act as that social lubricant because it usually is helps it usually helps liven everything up um and it sounds like you got the perfect makings for some sort of bartender in you already just the fact that you love being around and talking to people that's really awesome yeah absolutely it's it's just a social environment that uh i've been in you know you go to college you go to those pubs and and you know you go to college to learn new things, but to also learn why you don't do certain things. And so that was kind of one of those pieces. And so, you know, got that portion out really pretty early on. And, uh, you know, my thing, you know, out of college was appreciating, appreciating good beer, uh, which of course I, I finished college in the early two thousands. There wasn't a lot of craft beer in the U S at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you had, uh, you know, new Belgian brewing company, you had dogfish head, you had, uh, you know, founders. So you can kind of see behind mm -hmm. me and your, your listeners can't, but I've got these, uh, these big metal signs behind me of like the, the ones that kind of got me started on, on all this, but yeah, in the, in the early two thousands, there wasn't a lot of craft beer to, to try out. So the only way I could really explore the beer world was to make it myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and that's really kind of how I got started. Mm -hmm. uh, really. I did it for about two years by myself. And what I learned after a while is I have my personal preferences. They're styles that I prefer because that's my palate, right? Uh, but somebody else might like some different styles. So the only way I'm ever going to really try all these different styles is I got to start teaching other people how to brew. So in 2010, I opened up a, a local homebrew club and we started with about 20, 25 people and started in a, and this, this tamale restaurant in downtown Sherman, Texas. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we started we started Lupe's Tamales. That's where it happened. That's and, a hint. Uh, that's a hint to us, Texas. I know. Thank you. Thanks for sliding that in there. I appreciate so, it. Yeah. And so uh, he let us use his kitchens. So we went back there, and, and I taught a hand, you know, a couple dozen people how to brew. Uh, and then, you know, they started their their hobby and their passion. And so you have people over here that made. They liked IPAs, and this group over here liked Germans, and this group over here liked sours. And then, uh, about four years later, we would have these events, and people would just bring—they I mean, they were bringing a little bit of everything, and everyone was sharing it with everybody else. And, and it wound up being, you know, what I wanted it, uh, you know, to accomplish. And then ultimately, the goal was uh, to, you know, turn it into like a brewing collective and uh, get some investors to, to to move on so we could make more and turn mm -hmm. it into a business. But uh, it. 
I had some personal stuff that was going on in my life, and I wound up having to put that club down, and, and uh, we couldn't get anyone to, to keep moving forward with it. But uh, but it was a really great introduction for me, for a lot of other people to try a lot of different things. And then really by those mid 2000 teens, you know, that, that craft brewing uh, wave had really kind of started setting in. So you know, you were going to you're going to grocery stores, liquor stores, package stores, party stores, and, and now you were starting to see craft beers from from all over the country, stuff coming in from, you know, from Belgium, from France, from England, Scotland, uh, you know, you name it. So everything just really kind of opened up. And so those, those, those 2000 teams were really exciting. Uh, and it, but the, the, the nice thing was, is I kind of taught people. So I kind of checked that off my list and then it was time to, okay, let's, let's really kind of dial in and try to try to get a business going. So uh, there was, there was a couple of attempts that I made and, I can get into that if y'all want to hear about those or not. Now, obviously, none of them have panned out, but I've learned a tremendous amount uh, yeah. about the industry, about starting up my own business. Um, you know, what's the, the old gambler song? You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. So I've, I've, I think I've gotten most of those pretty well. Uh, I <laughs> Jack, done it, done it. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so to me, it's just, you know, I'm going to have to try it. I might have to make five more attempts before I can get one to stick, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. So that's oh, what I'm here to do. I love that because there is such value in, um, learning a skill, knowing you might fail or attempting something, knowing it might fail and being okay with that because you know, you'll learn from it. I mean, I think that's why a lot of people don't attempt things or don't start things because they don't want to fail. But it's, it's once you free yourself of the, uh, you know, the idea that failing is bad, you're, you, the sky's the limit at that point. Absolutely. The, the interesting part on it is, I was never really in question on, is, is the beer that I'm making good? Or is the, the idea that I have, you know, is it good, is it bad? those parts have always been for the most part solid and I've talked with investors and I've given business proposals for, you know, for the most part, everyone really likes it may not be what they want to invest in. Mm -hmm. uh, but they like the product that I make. They like the marketing skill and pitches that I have. Uh, the, some of the parts that have just been difficult to connect was the actual business aspects of it. Uh, Cause when you're looking at starting up, you know, a brewery or a pub, I mean, you're, you're talking several hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Uh, everything from from real estate to to equipment, startup cost, operational cost. Uh, so it's you kind of have to have either a lot in your bank account, or you kind of have to have someone on your team who's got a lot in their bank account to get going. <laughs> yeah. um, so we so for a couple of years, uh, I was really trying to kind of go that route and was trying to start from from scratch. Um, and so chopping around, looking at places, trying to get a foothold somewhere. Uh, where there wasn't already too strong of a presence, uh, you know, made a handful of attempts, but was never able to kind of stick the landing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, COVID hit in, in 2020. So, you know, of course, everything kind of goes up on the shelf because they kind of... Uh, that stopped you know, everything. Kind of stopped everything, stopped that pub life. Um, yeah. Then, uh, so last year, I, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to buy a you know, start from scratch. I actually tried to buy an existing brew that wasn't doing so well because uh, I have a lot of history in manufacturing. So, mm -hmm. so the the idea of buying something that's kind of already there but not doing so well and making it better was a little bit more appealing. Uh, and then 
we actually got down to the point we were signing papers, we were putting agreements together, and we kind of found out that there were some uh, some hidden debts that were not uh, they weren't very upfront about. So we we wound up backing away from the deal. Uh, but it was great because I got to go right up to the point where I mean I was supposed to get the keys to the building the next day. Uh, so I mean it was it was that I, close. Yeah, yeah. No, it was I almost had my foot in the door, but uh, it wound up wound up being a great thing for me that it, it didn't work out. Uh, so I kind of got to do uh, kind of do a test lap to see this is how we go about buying a business. This is how we you know go about getting bank accounts and all these other things kind of set up with accountants and, mm -hmm. uh, and all the pieces. So. Um, so even though I can kind of say, hey, I, I failed four or five times along the way, is it frustrating? Absolutely. But <laughs> it's taught me so much more on this is, the, to me, ruins now the easy part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The hard part, and, and I've obviously worked for, for 20 years and I've helped businesses grow and uh, get out of funk. So to me, the operating of a business uh, you know, especially in that, you know, in a liquids environment is, is not anything to jump up and down about. That's a normal day to day thing for me. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's the getting it started is, has been, has been the, the crux. And I think a lot of that is having the right people, having the right vision, having everything aligned and getting going. So like you said, the universe just hasn't, uh, stars on the moon haven't, haven't necessarily aligned just yet. Yeah. We just had a guest on that kind of, um, uh, accredited some of his, um, I, I bigger bigger feats in life kind of accredit that to everything kind of just being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> yeah, he said the exact same thing. Was, would you say that you've like with your four or five attempts? Would you say you've gotten a little closer each time to really every nail time. it? Every time. Every time. That's steps, amazing. Steps forward, man. So to to kind of give you a reference, so I, I told you my most recent uh attempt my my very first attempt is i actually went to a bank and i went and talked to a banker and i said and this you have to understand this was like in this was right this was 2010 before i created the home group club right? uh -huh. i went to the banker and this guy at noon we did business together for a handful of years and we could be very honest and upfront with each other and i said this is what i want to do and of course craft brewery hasn't taken off yet and he looks at me square in the face and he's like you got to have all the money up front no one's going to give you a loan for this he, he's like this is this is a business banks aren't interested in uh you know you're just you're gonna have to get some investors or whatnot but you know there's there's no way of, of the bank's gonna help you and, and i don't think you should you know borrow against your house or anything like that so like the, the, the <laughs> first the first attempt was a conversation where uh, they just uh, completely uh, shut you down <laughs> <laughs> they're like no I'm like all right step one that's a starting block <laughs> you've got no yeah. oh my gosh Oh, but I love, I, I don't know if this is just what I needed to hear right now too, but I love hearing you say that every time you attempted it, you just got a little closer and closer because I feel like the things I want to accomplish, they feel so far away. But like you said, if you have that persistent, you know, attitude about it and you just really believe in it, it will. I mean, you, you, there's this quote someone said the other day, life comes from you, not at you. Like that opportunity is not going to come at you. You're creating that opportunity mm -hmm. every single time you work toward it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I kind of always said, it's uh, me, me owning a pub, getting to brew beer on a, on a commercial level that I get to own. It's inevitable. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, I love that. It's like a pretty good mentality to have. I love it. You said, now going back, you said you, you, um, 
you got a degree in so my college degree is in communications and psychology Communic- okay and then you said you really enjoyed you liked you like to cook but about time you were uh hell brianna's i brianna and i's age now you just did a lot of exploring and looking for different things been a lot yeah, of like what reading kind of what prompted that Oh, and like sorry, what other things? No, it's a good question. Good question, Brianna. Love it. Um, <laughs> and I'll, yeah, like what prompted it, and what else did you like? What else did you explore? Sure. So I'm just curious. I when I was in college, I was I had a radio show. Um, <gasps> I love I, this. I actually had an internship with uh, a really big radio station down in Dallas. Had a great relationship with with that with that radio station. And that was what I was going to go do. I wanted to go be in radio because I love music. Music's just, it's a part of my day that I see <laughs> within every hour of it's my day. It's a big part of pub culture. It's a huge part of pub culture. Yeah. So yeah. everything from, from live music to, you know, to radio to events that go around it, just all, all, all the pieces of it. So that's what I was going to do when I was going to finish college was I, I wanted to kind of get into that, to that radio scene or that music scene to some degree, but more so through the, through the ways of radio. This is, of course, before, you know, iTunes had really taken off and podcasts were even a thing. But uh, back then you had Imus and Howard Stern, and now I'm showing my age. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so, no, there was, uh, that, that was kind of the goal. Uh, I didn't, I didn't get an offer at the radio station I wanted to go work at, but I actually got an offer at a very large bank. Uh, that was down in Houston. It was a national bank, and they wanted somebody to work in their their you know marketing department to cut radio and TV commercials. Uh, and so that's what I was originally was going to go do. So all that was set up, and then I had a, a personal thing that happened in my life, and I had to stay here in town, and I had to work the family business uh, until uh, until that. You know, stopped having to be the, the necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, really, kind of what what it, what it was was at the time uh, when when I you know when I separated from the family business, we were in a recession. This was in two thousand and eight, and so it was kind of this. I thought I was going to go do this, but I ended up doing this. Uh, um, you know, and so when you're when you're twenty two, and then when you're twenty eight, a lot of growth so, happens in that time frame. Mm-hmm. So, and so different. It's so the worst. When you're looking back on yourself, you say, well, do I double down? Will I go do what I wanted to aim to do or do I want to try something different? And so, mm-hmm. um, and so to me, I was like, well, I could, I could always go back and I could, I could do something with a voice. I could do something with radio. I could do something with marketing. I was like, but you know what, let's, let's make sure that's the right direction to go. Um, and, and so that was, that was really kind of how I got started. So while I was reading books, it was really more of, come from a, a creative point so it was i wanted to make a thing and i wanted to be able to sell it i didn't want to mm-hmm. really provide a service i wanted to have a, a an actual a finished product. product that somebody could, could hold uh they could taste they could help them with something else in their life uh and that's that's really kind of where that was from. so most of the things i was reading about kind of was narrowed down to that field i wanted to provide a product not a service and then it was more of a what kind of environment do I want to to be in? And so that was really what led it into that direction. So I, I read it and I thought, I love beer. I love good beer. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love the pub. Love hanging out at the pub. Love talking to people. This is what I need to go chase. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the the pub culture to me that is in itself is a whole another topic because um have you been to Europe? Have you been to pubs in Europe out of curiosity? I have, but I wasn't old enough to partake at the time. Oh. <laughs> and, okay. Um, now I I will say I, I've traveled more in the in the continental U.S. and I have I have outside. So whenever I have to travel, whether it be for work or or personal, I, I don't I don't hit the the regular touristy places. I go find those a pub. Those, I go find those pubs, and I find the ones yeah. that you kind of have to know about to go. Mm-hmm. So like whenever I go to Vegas. There's this pub that I go to that's not in Vegas. It's actually in Henderson, which is one town over. And uh, this 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 pub, it's called Aces and Ales. It, they have some of the best beer that you can get on tap. They have a great whiskey list. The food is fantastic. But it's one of those if you've never if you've never been there, you don't know about it. You don't live there. Yeah, how would yeah. you know? But I I tend to seek those places out um, so I can I can have those experiences. I only ask because I wonder how different the pub culture is over there compared to over here. Um, but the pub itself, I mean, if you think back way in the day, you know, they talk about how you would be visiting a new town. You would go to the local pub because it's usually the local hotel as well. You know, it was just the common gathering place. So how you're, you view the pub experience, I mean, it really speaks to me about how humans do just want they want to gather somewhere. We are a social species. We want to gather somewhere. We want to feel safe. We want to feel comfortable. And we want to connect with people. And um, yeah, I think that I the pub culture surrounding it, I think that's really beneficial for people's mental health, to be honest, too. When you don't connect with people, it's it, it starts to wear on you. Drinking and like like smoking as well. Like it's been around for I mean, most of human history, right? Like as, as for as... Yeah. As long as people have been procuring their own things, whether it be bread or, you know, liquids to drink or whatever it is, like it's it's that the the ritual of it all. Right. It's yeah. it all goes hand in hand and it's pretty intoxicating. You like that? Thank you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think there's a I can't remember who said it, but they say like the the. You know, the first greatest invention by man was was, you know, building a fire, and then the second one right after that was you you'd fire to make beer. So you know, <laughs> yeah. You, but I mean, we we know through some really old texts that you know there's there's an argument did wine come first, did mead come first, did beer come mm-hmm. first? But we know that that basically civilization was really kind of began once we started making fermented beverages because now people could drink. Now, of course, it was much different back then. The alcohol content was much, 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 much lower. But now you could start uh, having something to drink instead of worrying if you're going to take this out of the river, you're going to get sick, things like that. So it was able to you know, really kind of elevate what we were able to do as a civilization due to alcohol. That's fascinating. Looking into the history of anything, to be honest, is fascinating. <laughs> um, I want to ask about when it comes to making your own, do you have out of the ones you've made, I mean, you've probably made so many batches over the years of different things, but is there one that you have just like, you feel like you've perfected? Absolutely. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> so and have, is it fun naming I, them? Do you get to name them? I, I do. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and, and give you a little bit more information about stuff that I brew. So uh, my quote unquote, you know, 
pub name brewery name is called One-Eyed Willies. Uh, there's what? actually <laughs> some stuff behind that. So uh, number one, uh, I'm a huge Goonies fan. That was one of my favorite movies growing up. So of course, One-Eyed Willie, they have to go you know, do all that too. Uh, I think pirate culture is just really cool. So One-Eyed Willies was a pirate in Goonies. So that works out really well. Uh, and all my most of my beers have pirate nuanced names for that matter and then uh, the third one so here's a little personal bit about me i was born with a thing called strabismus uh and i had a very significant case of it so it's kind of like uh, think of about late like lazy eye uh okay. but, you know a little bit more significant so um i'm actually monovision so i can only look through one i only look through one eyeball at a time and it'll just switch back and forth at any given moment so uh so it's it's kind of a kind of a weird thing but those the people who have it or the people who know people who have it will they'll, they'll they'll get it so to me it's more of a it's gonna sound weird so <laughs> i had to wear glasses a lot growing up and, and I, my vision was very very poor right so you know when you're the young kid growing up and you wear glasses you know people pick on you a little bit and it's fine and i had a hard time uh, with following things because of how good my vision was so motion was hard for me so i was not really good at catching things like a football or a basketball or anything that was basically thrown at me i yeah so i had a hard time catching it right so the, i, I kind of do it as this play of things that were kind of at my detriment in my young formative years i was always very very self-conscious about i'm now kind of putting that out there like this was something that was a part of my life i'm i'm good with it now and i'm i'm fine with you know putting on a flag and raising it up for everyone to see so so there's that the beers that i make i have about 12 that i've made well over 300 times uh there's <laughs> one uh that i have that I've made by far and away more than everything else and it's called sweet revenge sweet revenge that's a good name that's a pirate ship name was it taste like so it's actually a scottish it's like a brown scottish ale so it's very clean it's very malty uh very caramelly and it's got some chocolate notes to it as well sounds so good <laughs> do you keep like a running list of like okay this is going to be on the, this is going to be on my first menu we'll keep this one on draft this one better be distilled into bottles uh, i do Wait. so uh the, the last time when i was trying to start a business i actually made a six pack of six different beers uh oh, that i would get cool. to a potential investor along with a business proposal and my business proposal actually I made it look very, very piratey. So there was a lot of parchment paper and there was a wax seal and, and my, my logo kind of looks very piratey. So, <laughs> uh, so I try to, you know, give the investor a good experience, get them excited about it. So, uh, no, the, the idea of having a pub is I've got, I basically have six beers that, that will satiate almost anything that anyone would walk in the door and would want. Uh, and then of course I can, I can make almost anything else, uh, you know, after that, if I get enough, if I had enough following and, and if, People said, I would really like this right here. Chances are I've probably made it or something like it. Oh, wow. Well, and so you also make wines and meads. Is that, I mean, that's a different process, I'm assuming. Is it less fun? Do you enjoy the beer making process more than the wines and meads? So the, the beer is my favorite to make. Uh, okay. the, the wine, I, I do enjoy, but it takes a long time. So it's, it's one of those, it's very little work, but it's, it's constant uh, monitoring and checking on it. Mm. Um, but you have to understand it's, it's gonna, 
you know, it's going to age for, you know, anywhere between three to six months. And then I have to put it into a bottle. It's got to age for a year. Uh, so it's like you kind of have to tuck it away, forget about it, and then a year later, like, oh, yeah, cool. Uh, I had this. I made yeah. this. Let's give this a try. Why not? We keep it, we keep it under the stairs, and I forget about it until a tornado is <laughs> like just up the road, and we're, I'm hiding under the stairs. I'm like, well, I know what I'm doing. Anyway, uh, uh, so I'll, I'll also make ciders and meads. Uh, mm-hmm. so, not, so down in Texas, you know, ciders are not as commonplace, which is a shame. Because uh, I think oh really they're they're here they're just like if I if I was to go very up, popular up here in yeah, Michigan up, oh my I gosh to, when I've been to Michigan actually I went to Michigan when when it was like apple harvesting time and there was apples everywhere there was cider everywhere I was, yeah I was <laughs> uh, down here not as much uh, mm-hmm. and then I do make meads here as well I make all sorts of meads and also not as popular here but uh, what I've kind of found is like people who have never have never really had a mead when i try it they're like oh it's a lot like wine i'm like well the main fermentable is, is honey not, not grapes and mm-hmm. but the process is is kind of the same so and, and ciders a little bit is kind of similar too so beer's a quicker turnaround time for me uh whereas mm-hmm. mead ciders take a little bit longer and then wine takes a really long time oh wow i wouldn't know any of that i've been racking my brain trying to remember like <laughs> Don't laugh at me, okay? I don't know how else to word this. No promises. So I'm just, I'm sure. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, the, I just can't spare myself. The difference between like how yeast works when it makes beer and how it makes bread, right? What did I, I, I don't remember. I heard someone say it or read it, probably watched a video to be honest with you on the internet, but it was like <laughs> yeast to make bread is like the yeast farting. And the yeast to make beer is like the yeast vomiting. And it sounds what? disgusting. Something like that. I mean, it's, please, let's have okay. the beer master educate okay. us. Because so, I know uh, all that's not correct. It's, it's, you're, not, you're not too terribly far off. So when I add, uh, when I add yeast to beer, there is sugars that I extract out of grains that are in what we call the wort. So I have this, I have this really sugary liquid. And when I put the yeast into that liquid, the yeast gets excited because there's all this food all over the place. So the yeast is actually gonna go hunt down all these sugars and it's going to eat the sugar. Now, okay. anything that eats something has to give something off at the, at the end, right? So mm-hmm. when, when the yeast is done eating a sugar, alcohol is left behind and CO2 is released. Okay. Okay, I see. That's why it's but, carbonated. Yeah. Well, sort of. Kind of. Kind of. So um, we actually have what's there's a what's called a it's called blow off. So we we don't want the beer to carbonate while it's it's fermenting. So we allow all the CO2 to be released while the fermentation is happening, which is why sometimes if you go to a brewery, sometimes they'll have CO2 collection tanks. So they'll actually take the CO2 while the beer is fermenting. And then when the beer is done fermenting, they'll take that CO2 and put it back into the beer to make it carbonate. Or they'll just have a big CO2 tank. They'll have a a carbonation stone. They'll put it into the, you know, to the side of the tank and they'll carbonate it from, you know, from a source. Another stupid question. Um, Is is the carbonation (laughs) that was collected from the fermenting process, does that act differently with the beer than like a fresh 
carbonation it's, it's tank would? If I, I have never known anyone that has been able to say, I can tell this was a CO2 from the fermentation. Okay. To, oh, okay. Tank. To, to me, it's, it's, you're getting down into to a level of, of, of chemistry that I, I don't think most people can. So collected CO2 on. from yeast doesn't taste like, smell like yeast farts. I don't, I don't believe so. I've, I've had okay. it both from collected CO2 and from a tank and, and I can't, I can't tell a difference. I think the, the ones that collect the CO2 is doing it more from an environmentally friendly standpoint. So instead of just releasing it and then paying for someone to deliver it to you and then, all, you know, all the oh, stuff I that, into that, I think it's more of keeping the controls in house, keeping things mm -hmm. in house, maybe reducing some expenses, expenditures for the business. Uh, as far as I can tell, most of it's just more of an environmental and economic reason. I got you. Mm. Very interesting. Sorry, if you notice that sometimes, and guests, our, our, our listeners, you notice this too. If you hear some silent moments, it's because I'm trying not to interrupt and ask every question I have in my head. Sometimes I want to give Garrett the opportunity no. to. I've really been trying to work on that. And I'm drinking um, something usually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to jump back to when you were starting the club. Okay. So that was... Post you going to the banker and him shutting you down. That's correct. Right. And um, I just, I, I'm fascinated by the idea that you were just like, I want to meet people who want to do this and I want to teach them about it. Um, how much interest, how much, how did you advertise it, first of all? And then how much interest, like how many people actually came to the club? So it wasn't hard to generate interest. Okay. The, the town that I live in is, it's not small, but it's not big. It's kind of medium. So I, I kind of say, Sherman, it's it's big enough that you don't know everybody, but you probably know somebody who knows the people that you don't know. Yeah. Okay. I have um, a guess, by the way, of who how we're connected to them, but I'll save it for the end. Okay. <laughs> I bet we have uh, the same guest, Brianna. I bet we do too. <laughs> uh, so... The reason why we went to the the Loopy's Tamales place was the the gentleman who who runs that restaurant knows he he knows everybody. That guy knows everybody. Um, so I I went to him and said, "This is what I'm thinking. Are you cool if we do this?" Mm -hmm. uh, so he's you know he's he's got a restaurant. He said, "Sure, we can you know do it after hours or whatnot, and just buy buy, buy food if you're going to bring people in." I'm like, "Absolutely, we'll just we'll just kind of put that out there." So so we kind of just started talking to people and it was a lot of it was just networking we didn't really do a lot of social media work uh, or anything it was just more word of mouth and i think the first night we were there we were just trying to introduce the idea to people and mm -hmm. i think we pulled close to 40 people into that restaurant um, wow. whoa that's way more than i anticipated and so what we kind of had some stipulations so mm -hmm. it was it was basically anyone could come um you had to buy food and you okay. had to bring beer that you've never had before. That oh. Was and so you, we sat people at different tables. And so the idea was to get people at tables trying different things that they had all never tried before. And then when that table tapped out, you do, you get up and you go sit at this table over here and, and then you continue the, the that trend. Uh -huh. So we were really tapping out what they had at grocery stores, package stores, you know things like that so people were starting to branch out and they would have to you know drive 30 40 minutes to go to a different town 
to get something they've never had. Yeah, because it may have been, a, you know, because we just didn't have it here. And so we did that. Uh, we did that three times, one night out of the month. And then uh, we had a lot of people that were interested in it. And so finally I said, okay, so number one, this is not a beer drinking club. This is a beer brewing club. And I said, so the goal here is to start making it, not just consuming it. We want to learn everything from start to finish. Yeah. So um, we kind of put some stipulations moving moving forward that we kind of made it know this isn't the guy's drinking club. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to learn how to make it. And if you don't want to make it, you know, this may not be the best spot for you. Find, find another restaurant, go, go drink with your friends there because there's plenty of opportunity for that. So mm-hmm. um, I think when we first started... I, I don't remember the exact number. I think there was 18 people who stayed um, that, that started doing the cooking uh, with, and I was just bringing all my personal stuff, going to going to this restaurant and saying, "This is how I do this. This is how I do that." Yeah. Uh, you know, cleaning and sanitation is a you know a big thing, and um, you know, so try to teach people how to do you know all those pieces, and then we'd come back a month later, and I would bring you know, here it is. This is what looks like it's been fermented. Now we got to move it from this thing. We got to rack it from this vessel to this vessel. This is how we do it. And then, and then we had, and then a month later we had a bottling party and then a month later we drank everything. And, uh, and that was round one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So that was, I was gonna, that kind of answers my question. So it's like a good, I mean, I know you mentioned earlier, like, you know, mead and wine has to, has to go for a minute and has to go for, you know, a good handful of months, but like beer is kind of, Let's say it's a little quicker of a process then. So a good three I, months. When I have uh, it's a bit quicker than that. So when I when I brew my brew day start to finish, depending on what I'm making, can be anywhere between six to eight hours. Uh, but that includes setup, brewing, and cleanup. You know, yeah. for the next round. So uh, and some beers take a little bit longer uh, to make than others, depending on, like I said, what what style that I'm making. Once the once the beer is done and and I pitch yeast. Most of the times, the yeast is done doing its thing for me. For what I do on my scale here, it's usually done in about a week, maybe to two weeks, depending on you know, the ale that I'm making. If I'm doing a lager, it may take a little bit longer, just because that's how that yeast behaves. Uh, and then I'll uh, and so that first round of fermentation we call it primary fermentation. Once that part's mm-hmm. done, we rack it off and put it into a separate vessel. Which call secondary fermentation. For the most part, most of that yeast is done doing its business. There may be a little bit of residual left, uh, but that can take anywhere between a week to two weeks. And then at that point, once secondary fermentation is done, we can have a choice whether we want to put that beer into bottles or we can put it into kegs. About 90% of everything I make here at home goes into a keg. Uh, so I can put it directly into a keg and I apply CO2 and I force carbonate it and that's done anywhere between three to four days and I can tap it Friday afternoon when I come home from work. (laughs) That is so cool. That is a night. Yeah. I just have to ask, do you have, um, do you have handles? Yep. Let's turn it. (laughs) He's going to show us. I'm asking if he's got, yeah, he does. I've got, I have a four tap, I have a four tap decorator here. Um, now because it's January, the, the biggest uh, sharing months I have with what I make is usually November and December. So usually before Thanksgiving hits, I've got that thing completely loaded. And usually by New Year's and January 1st, that's completely empty, which it is now. 
Uh-huh. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Mission is accomplished. But uh, I was able to brew. Uh, I was able to brew once in December, and I've brewed twice so far this month. Uh, so you can't really see them, but I've got a couple of chest freezers over here, and I have two beers, uh, in you know, one beer in each chest freezer. So I have an Irish red that's in one chest freezer mm. and an Irish stout that's in the other. So I'm ramping up now for St. Patrick's Day. Oh, wow. Oh, How yeah. fun. I forget about St. Patty's. Yeah. So I, I, I shut to... off all holidays after the, after <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. I'm like done with holidays forever. Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of have to plan two to three months out. So I know. Yeah. You know, so if I know what I want in March, I have to start making it. I have to start making it now. So like in this, when the summertime hits, and I know I want something lighter, I want an IPA, you know, I want a gold nail, I want a, you know, a Czech Pilsner. I have to start. Well, if it's a Pilsner, I have to start now. But if it's if it's an ale of some sort, I have to kind of start in that March April time frame. So I have, there's a there's a bit of planning that goes on, but it's not the the, the system that I have here. It's just. It, it, it just goes so mm-hmm. i have it all usually have it all lined out before the year even starts so that's wow. amazing i We're think we are about close to an I know, hour i, I know say, we need to we need to throw out our guesses for who submitted if mine you. is wrong i don't think mine's wrong but if it's wrong i'm really gonna have to think okay let's say yours? i can say yours i mean just because we've had him on the podcast already he is a he's a native to well not I don't know, native to Texas but he lives in Texas and he also flavors things as well <laughs> and it is Michael Caine. That's correct. Oh, Yay! give me some. That's who I was gonna guess the Canes. <laughs> was it? I was gonna say the, as soon as he said Texas, I was like I immediately went to them. I mean I have family in Texas too that probably listen oh, okay. to the podcast, but I immediately went to the Canes. I know yeah. I was like okay I know a few people in Texas, but he said we both absolutely know them, and I was like okay there's yeah. only one family in Texas that Garrett and I both know. <laughs> yeah, so I've I've known Mike and Soleil for, geez, probably ten years. Oh my gosh, that's long. incredible. That so that's right. like so. as long as they've lived in Texas. That's right. That's right. So, okay. How did you meet them though? I did I did look up Sherman, Texas, just to make sure it was close to where I know they lived. Did you live in their town in McKinney? Did you meet in McKinney or how did that happen? No, we we've worked together. Okay. Wow. So whereas Michael was on the quality R and D lab side. Uh-huh. I'm on the I'm on the operations side. Gotcha. Boom. So, so are you still working in that industry? Yes. Okay. So my last question to you then is, um, well, it's not really a question as much as, is it hard to be the majority of your time, the majority of your day, doing something for someone else, and you have this dream on the back burner, you know? Is it hard to do that, or do you just like think, oh, it's just you know, funding, funding that next adventure? It's, this is the path. That's all it this is. This is the path. Mm-hmm. This all is right. just the path, and it's my job right now to continue walking down it until the the dream is realized. Oh, I yeah, love that. Love it, love it. I can say for certain that uh, when you get this pub up and running, I we would will love be to come visiting. down and have a, <laughs> have a bar stool, fill a bar stool for you. For sure. Thank you very much for being on the show with us, Mr. William Winlow. You have been the best. I have learned so much. One-eyed Willie. I'm so so excited. Investors out there, people who have money, I don't. People who do, though, 
you need to reach out to William Winlow. He's got the next the next pub, the next up and coming pub. You need to invest now. You're really investing in a philosophy. Yeah, yeah it is a philosophy. A dr- <laughs> You're absolutely right. If you ask me, it's a way of life. Yeah, it's a way of life. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. I had a great time. I'm glad. Awesome. Well, you uh, go drink some beer for us and uh, let us know when that pub opens. We will do a live episode in your pub. That'd be so much fun. That'd be be awesome. All right. Have a good night. See you later. Thanks, you guys. Cheers. He was so cool. He was awesome. We were so worried about it because we had no idea who it was. Yeah. And... I'm not sad. I'm not sad that it wasn't a complete stranger. I'm glad we, you know, he mm-hmm. knew someone, you know, that we're familiar with. I also had to think about, like, I knew it would have been Mike <laughs> and Soleil to not say who recommended them. You know, kind of, yeah. a, kind of a, a more of a subtle connection. Yeah. But thank you for um, suggesting him. And he was awesome. I know you guys can't see him, but he really did look like he embodied what it is to be a pub master. Yeah. <laughs> he had he had like the beard. It looked it was kind of tough to tell because he didn't turn his head too much. He was looking around at us the whole time, but it looked like he kind of had like a little like his hair was pulled like his longer hair pulled back a little bit. And it just looked like a cool dude to me. He was. He was awesome. Thank you yep. again, William, for coming on. Telling I, us your um, story. Yeah, I I don't care. I'm serious. I'm so inspired by him right now. Like I have, as you know, and I've talked about here on the podcast, I have ambitions outside of the job I do every day. You know, Mm -hmm. there's in my backyard, there is a piece of property I would love to turn into something, a nature center. You know, mine's always more environmentally, blah, blah, blah. But it is so hard to look at it every day and to go to a job where I not really working toward it but he's right you are it's the path mm-hmm. it's your path it's that just you have your path. to walk and you just have to keep going and and i know there's a lot of people that can relate to it whether they do or don't listen to it just keep on keep taking those steps man god and i'm so inspired by the fact that he was just like yeah i want to start a club and teach people how you know how He's like, boom, club. Hard man. that is to put yourself out there like that. And he's just like, oh, yeah, no, easy. And I absolutely want to be like that. I am inspired. He's my new. I feel pretty inspired an, as well. Another person on my list of people that inspire me. Very, very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, everyone, for coming and listening to another episode of My Fellow Human. Thank you, William. Thank you, the Canes. For, I can't believe he's known them since. I mean, they the moved, whole time. that's like the moved to Texas. Ten mm-hmm. years. That's like essentially when they moved there. So that's incredible. That's so cool. Um, and yeah, seriously, investors, if you're interested in investing in a pub, One-Eyed Willies is where it's going to be. Yeah. Best wishes to William Winlow. I hope he's not at that same job for long. I hope he gets to doing what he wants to do. Yeah. And it sounds like I believe in him. the next swing will be the home run swing. It's He's kind of one of those people that you, you listen to him and you can't help but believe in him. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? They're just he really, so passionate. He very knows genuine. what he wants. Yeah. You root for that. him no matter what. I will always root for him. William yeah. Winlow. We're on your side. <laughs> my fellow human's on your side. Yeah. When we make it big, if he doesn't have his chain of pubs <laughs> by then, when we make it big this show, we'll, we got him. We got him covered. I like how you say when we. 
because that's like manifesting something too, I guess. It's our path, man. It's our path. <laughs> awesome. Everyone, thank you again. See you next week. Um, I'm Garrett. I'm Brianna. But okay. See y'all next See week. See y'all. Take care.